Hello everyone, I'm Gary Urbanowitz, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum, the official museum of the FDNY. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know that we're introducing the Unmasking Our Heroes Project. It's our campaign during this unprecedented time in our fire department's history to collect artifacts and messages of gratitude for the extraordinary efforts of our EMTs, paramedics, and certified first responders. If you wish to send digital notes, images, or videos, please send them to curator at nycfiremuseum.org. Learn more at nycfiremuseum.org. And now, let's start the show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, the world-building fire of 1882 and how it changed the FDNY, the last run using horses in 1922, and in 1947, firefighter Mark Wofeld returns to duty. If there's one thing that the FDNY can pride itself on, is to learn from the challenges it faces and to find solutions that improve its ability to combat fires and keep New Yorkers and members of the department safe. Such was the case back in 1882. On January 31st, a massive fire consumed the headquarters of Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper, The World, at 53 to 63 Park Row, across from City Hall. The fire was spotted by a police officer patrolling Theater Alley as a thin column of smoke creeping from the cellarway. Within minutes after he transmitted the alarm, FDNY companies arrived to find the entire facade of the building in flames, and they observed a woman precariously perched at a fourth floor window. Hook and Ladder Company 10 raised their tallest ladder, but it was approximately 15 feet shy of her position. A brave firefighter, John Rooney, made his way to the very top of the ladder, outstretched his arms, and caught her as she jumped to him. He carried her down the ladder to safety on the ground. Firefighter Rooney was awarded the department's highest honor for his actions. Unfortunately, 12 years later, then-Lieutenant Rooney made the supreme sacrifice in a building collapse during a fire on West 24th Street. It became obvious that as New York began to witness the growth of these skyscrapers, the FDNY's ladder equipment was insufficient to reach their heights. As a result of the experience at the World Building Fire, the FDNY invested in a new device called the Pompier, or Scaling Ladder. These were brought to the U.S. from Germany and improved upon by Chris Hole of the St. Louis Fire Department. FDNY brought Hole to New York to train the bravest in its use, and they established a school of instruction at which to do so. The school was founded in the quarters of Engine 29, Ladder 16, on East 67th Street, where the original plaque on the building still shows its name. That first school of instruction is the foundation of what today is the FDNY Bureau of Training one of the most respected fire service education institutions in the world. Unlike a standard ladder that has two rails with rungs between them, the scaling ladder has one central rail with rungs running through it sticking out on both sides. The critical piece is a large hook with teeth at the top. One firefighter would take the ladder while on the ground or in a window, hold it up to the window above, put the hook through the upper window, breaking it if necessary, and securing the hook on the sill. He would climb up the ladder to the window above, then repeat the process to the next window, scaling the face of the building until reaching the person to be rescued. Ideally, other members would follow up with more ladders, creating a virtual staircase so the rescuer and victim could scale back down. The first time the new device was put to use was at a fire on April 7, 1884, at the St. George's Flats. Firefighter John Binns of Ladder 3, later a deputy chief, made the grab and was awarded the Bennett Medal for his action. 
Although carried on FDNY apparatus until 1996, the scaling ladder was last used at a fire in 1967. The New York City Fire Museum not only has several versions of the scaling ladder on display, we have two of the actual originals with Chris Hole's patent label on them. Look for them the next time you visit the museum. They are mounted on our 1882 Gleason and Bailey ladder truck. The New York City Fire Museum shop offers a wide selection of museum souvenirs and FDNY licensed products. To acknowledge the 20th anniversary of the tragic events of September 11, 2001, and the 343 members of the FDNY who gave their lives that day, we are offering several commemorative items, including a Maltese cross decal and lapel pin, a 9-11 Memorial Challenge coin, and a beautiful high-quality 343 t-shirt. Proceeds from all sales help fulfill our mission to preserve, educate, and celebrate, and to remember the brave men and women of the FDNY, not just on September 11th but every day. You can make purchases at the museum or online by visiting our website, www.nycfiremuseum.org forward slash shop. Perhaps one of the most romantic eras of the New York Fire Department was when apparatus was pulled by horses. This period began in 1832 and ended in 1922. A cholera epidemic hit New York City in 1832. The population of the city at the time was around 250,000, and of those, 3,515 died from the disease. Extrapolating that to today's population of 8 million, it equates to more than 100,000 fatalities. By comparison, the five boroughs lost slightly over 28,000 individuals in the recent COVID pandemic. The hardest hit by the epidemic were the lower and middle classes, many of whom constituted the majority of New York's bravest at the time. With ranks depleted, Chief James Gullick took it upon himself to rent horses to bear the burden of pulling apparatus to alarms. While horses were ushered into the department unceremoniously, we know that this was the reason for their recruitment because in the bill Chief Gullick submitted to the city comptroller, in the amount of $863.75 for the rental of horses, he stated, quote, to drag the engines and hook and ladder trucks to the fires during the late epidemic. In fact, although they should owe their equine saviors a debt of gratitude, the firefighters were incensed that they were being replaced by the four-legged beasts. They protested, wanting the practice stopped. But before the rosters could be filled again with healthy men, the horses were kept around. This became a blessing in disguise as pumping engines became larger and heavier when the first steam fire engines were introduced in 1858. At the end of 1914, the number of horses owned by the department was 1,167, but fell to 884 the following year. In the 1915 annual report, Chief John Keefe stated, quote, the cost of maintaining a horse, including shoeing, material, medicine, horseshoer's wages, salary of the veterinarian, depreciation in the value of the horse, figuring the life of the horse for fire department purposes at seven years, has been reduced to slightly under $24 a month. Something tells me that might not include the 45 pounds of feed that each horse consumed each week. But as contracts for new motorized apparatus grew, the need for four-legged power was decreased. And then, on December 20th, 1922, the last run of the horses was made with great fanfare. On that date, at the direction of Fire Commissioner Thomas Drennan, Acting Chief of Department Smokey Joe Martin sent the code 593 205, meaning engine 93 shall respond to fire alarm box 205. 
That company had the last five horses in service, three pulling the engine and two pulling the hose wagon. When they arrived, they were met by their motorized replacements. It would be three more years before the last horses in the FDNY were sold at auction. Certainly a sad but momentous day in the history of New York fire apparatus. Hello everyone, I'm Ted Grant, the president of the New York City Fire Museum Board of Trustees. On behalf of the board, we thank you for listening to the Throwback FTNY podcast. Since 1870, our museum has sought to preserve, educate, and celebrate the heroic history of the men and women of the fire department in New York. In 1987, we found a permanent home in Lower Manhattan in the renovated 1904 Beaux Arts Firehouse that had served as the quarters of Engine 30. Inside, our impressive collection illustrates the evolution of the fire department from its origins through today. Our Fire Safety Learning Center is a hub for school children to learn about the importance of fire prevention. Our museum is also home to the first permanent memorial to the New York City Fire Department members lost on September 11, 2001. We hope that everyone who has come to visit the FDNY 343 Memorial since 2002 has been provided a place to reflect on the fire department's darkest day while coming face to face with our fallen heroes. Please stay up to date with us and learn more about our exhibitions, online catalog, and browse our museum shop online at nycfiremuseum.org. Again, thank you for listening, and now back to the episode. On December 1st, 1947, firefighter Mark Wolfeld returned to his company, Engine 34, after his six-year tour of duty with the United States Army. When Pearl Harbor was attacked, then Army Captain Wolfeld was stationed at Fort McKinley near Manila in the Philippines. All service members knew what was to come. Given its location and history, forces there prepared for possible, if not likely, attack on other American bases. And sure enough, it happened. In April of the next year, their position was overrun and surrender was the only option. This was in Bataan, and those American prisoners of war, including Captain Wolfeld, began what became known as the Bataan Death March that led them to their prison camp. But just like a firefighter that won't accept an untenable position in a structure fire, he and other prisoners were determined to escape. After two years of imprisonment, escape he did on March 27, 1944, from the camp he was moved to on the island of Mindanao. Once free, and after regaining some of his strength, he joined a local Philippine guerrilla group. He fought with them until being reunited with American forces on October 31, 1944. He remained in combat until he returned to the United States on March 30, 1945. Upon his discharge from active military duty, firefighter Wolfeld served in Engine 34, Hook and Ladder 7, and later with Ladder 129. He was detailed to headquarters in 1949 when skin legions from his service in the Philippines re-emerged. He remained with the U.S. Army Reserves and retired at the rank of full colonel. Colonel Wolfeld passed away in 1978 and is interred at Arlington National Cemetery. But this story has an interesting twist for those of us at the New York City Fire Museum. You see, we came across a machete in our collection. There's no accession card on it, nor file number, so we really didn't know its provenance. Fortunately, one of our staff members recalled Wolfell's story, and that got us thinking. Markings on the blade 
as well as its curious dog head handle, led us to the instrument's manufacturer in England. They had a history of distributing their products throughout the United Kingdom colonies, and our machete was originally sent to the island of Trinidad. During the war, these found their way into the Pacific theater of operations and became a favorite weapon of the resistance. Our next clue is a photograph in our collection that is documented as being taken by Firefighter Wolfelt. Can it be that he donated both? And the final piece of the puzzle came when the museum was contacted by a historian researching the Battle of Bataan and the subsequent march. He was looking for information on Firefighter Wolfeld, and after his visit to the museum and examining the machete, he is convinced that it is consistent with those used by the Philippine resistance. While we cannot confirm that it was carried and used by U.S. Army Captain Wolfeld, there is a preponderance of evidence that this was donated by him and is an artifact that represents his incredible story. In 1979, the Mark M. Wolfeld Memorial Medal was endowed by American Legion Post 930 of the FDNY. For more information on Mark Wolfeld, you could read his story in the third and fourth issues of WNYF in 1945. Members of the FDNY have a history of defending our country in times of war and peace, dating back to the American Revolution. A monument to the members who served during the Civil War stands in the Peach Orchard, where they fought in the Battle of Gettysburg. Many have given their lives in service to our country. They are honored in a moving memorial at the FDNY Academy on Randall's Island. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. Each year, the FDNY awards medals of valor to members of the department that have performed acts of bravery above and beyond the call of duty. The annual ceremony has only been canceled twice since 1870. What two years was medal day canceled and why? Answer could be found in our previous episode. All previous episodes can be found on our website at www.nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you with the help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official nonprofit organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important safety tip. If you leave a building during a fire, close all doors as you exit. This will help contain the fire. If doors are left open, the flames and smoke can travel more quickly. We can all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Thank you and be safe.